What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast. You're here with your hosts, Justin Sinan and Logan Sandburn. I'm pumped to have Logan back. I missed you, buddy. Um, we're gonna have. I a, miss you too. It's good to be back. <laughs> we're gonna have a little BS session. I'm just coming back from Maryland. I've been there for the past week. Um, a lot of stuffs happened uh, in between now and then. We'll get into that later on. But uh, I'm excited to hear from Logan. Uh, let's uh, let's hear from you, bud. Like what what uh, what happened with your trip to Colorado? Yeah. So obviously, I haven't been on two episodes. Um, I went to Colorado from. Uh, it was Sunday to Sunday. Um, so I spent a whole week out there. Um, and I guess technically left on Sunday, got there Monday. And to be honest, um, it wasn't, obviously I came home, uh, empty handed, (laughs) uh, unfilled tags, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and I learned a lot and that was I think the most important thing for me is especially if I go back to Colorado I've got good spots um, that I know when to be there Um, and I think that's the biggest thing uh, for me is like I'm so new to elk hunting that I don't like I just don't really know what I'm doing or you know how to um, make things happen and so it uh it's just it's been difficult to get on elk and it's it's obviously not the same as whitetail hunting like (laughs) there's a lot more ground to cover um and do you think like maybe you went out too early or too like late or or is that what you're saying with like timing wise no um it's more about like the just where to be at certain times so Um, it's not that they were like acting any different or anything like that. They, so actually what happened was we followed a, uh, on Onyx, you can put a layer on that's called elk migration. Um, and it literally has a line on the map and it doesn't tell you which way it goes, but you can then turn on topo and figure out like from the higher elevation to lower elevation and follow the line. And we actually went and followed a line. And it was actually pretty crazy. You could see the progression of the sign as it got fresher and fresher and fresher as you moved down the line. Um, I got you. So that was honestly like one of the biggest eye-opening moments from this trip was just that um, experience and seeing how they move that way. Um, And so that's what I mean by like, so if I go there, you know, at whatever time of September next year, I know like where on that line to, to start basically my hunt, if that makes I sense. Got you. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that we were there at like the wrong time. It was just that we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I gotcha. So we, we ended up following that elk migration line all the way, almost basically to the public private line and then we couldn't follow it any farther because we couldn't obviously go on to private yeah. so oh, uh, man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah do you think they um, were like down in there in the private oh yeah I, yeah they're just i mean it was only probably like 500 yards where we like left the trail and went uh and decided to kind of call it i was like or, or 
if they're, you know, they could be somewhere in between us and the private line, but it was like, they're most likely, uh, cause there, there had been other hunters in there. There was other sign of, uh, guys on horseback and stuff like that, that had been in that area. Yeah. So it's like, they're probably pushed off. Um, yeah. so we went and just found a new spot, uh, to go, which, so the very last day, well, I guess, um, before I get there, I mean, I did some of the stuff that I honestly didn't want to do, which was over committing to areas, um, which is hard to understand unless you've been there where you're, you drive and drive and drive down these forest roads. And before you know it, you're two, two hours deep down this forest road that like, you know, cause you're going five miles an hour and, like just you know basically off-roading um to try and get to a spot that you marked on on x and then once you get there like if you don't find what you're looking for or whatever you've got two hours back out and right. eats up like a quarter of your day or more right yeah. yeah and so it's i played that game with myself again and then once you're in there you're like well i'm two hours in here i don't want to you know make that trek back out maybe I, there's you know somewhere else i can look and try yeah. and like uh you know check this little pocket or do whatever and it's like i need to be basically unattached and be like nope we didn't find anything let's get out of here and go somewhere fresh uh um, right because that's it's like, tough though i mean yeah like i've been there i guess like a lot of people compared to turkey hunting and i've been in that situation a bunch of times for turkey and it's like well, I'm going to go down here. This, you know, seems like it'd be a good spot and there's like nothing. And then it's like, I don't know. Elk are a lot easier to spot than Turkey, I'd say, but I mean, <laughs> it's just a different scenario. It's like, there's so much more ground. I'm sure that's like really puts a, puts a damper in things. Right. I mean, Oh yeah. And, and it's difficult. Like, I mean the roads and stuff, you just never know. So, you know, it could be a nice flat, like taking care of uh dirt road. But I'm sorry to all the listeners. I'm playing dad duty today. If you can hear her, <laughs> we gotta um, do what we gotta do. We're trying to record for you guys. <laughs> yep. <exactly. laughs> um. So I mean, you just like you can't tell from a map how a road's gonna be, and it could be you know a nice, easy dirt road um, that takes you you know. 20 minutes to get from point a to point b or it's you know rough rutted out and you know too many people have went down that road playing around with four wheelers and just like torn it up and then you're you know you're spending two hours to go two miles instead of (laughs) 20 minutes like it's right so but there's no there's no real way to figure that out without you know boots on the ground or i guess tires on the ground and being there and and looking at it so I think um, I've got some good spots uh, if I go back next year and I don't go to a different state um, that I guess, uh, you know, as the week progressed, we got closer and closer to uh, the elk. Like we kind of started getting on fresher sign, getting things figured out um, a little bit more. And then uh, what I was going to get at the last day, it was, it was kind of like a last ditch effort. Um, and I ended up getting super close. I didn't see anything um, in the woods, but like 
the sign that I was on was fresh as could be. Like I was probably maybe an hour or two behind them, and that was it. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So I I actually I made a twenty two hundred foot vertical climb basically because um, I was walking down the trail and looking up at this climb, um, and I was like, "There's no one else is getting up there." Yeah. Like there, you know, no one's going to turn and look at this and go, I bet the elk are up there. Well, I bet they do. They probably say, yeah, the elk are probably on that top, but I'm not. And then they're like, it. I am not doing it. And yeah. I just decided to do it. Um, and it was, how'd 22. that work out with your ankle? Um, was that like, was that kind of a, a challenge for you at all? Or? I mean, it was more challenging, I guess, than it would have been had I been a hundred percent, um, just because it took me a little bit longer. Um, there was like some areas where I had to kind of move around, um, a little bit different. So I made that climb up there. Um, and based upon the map, I couldn't tell, um, cause we, I mean, we all know Onyx, I don't know what the actual, line distances i think it's maybe 25 feet do you know what it is like uh, i have no idea lines. uh it's it's a lot it might be even be 50 feet um but it doesn't show some of the like serious you know small details and so i made the climb and i ended up getting up onto this bench that was actually pretty wide um that i couldn't see on the map and that's exactly where they were and it was just awesome to see and like start to get that understanding a little bit better of what's going on on the mountain um, and like how they're using it and kind of, I mean, just looking at the area that I was in, how they're escaping pressure. Um, yeah. Cause it, I mean, it was that, that whole mountainside. I mean, like you would have to walk probably like four miles to be able, like along the actual trail and then cut up and be able to come down the top to get to where I was. Um, if you didn't make, you know, a climb like that. So yeah. it was, uh, something that we've talked about before uh, that we talk about a lot. It's, it's what we're all about on this podcast and everything. Like it's just about making that decision to do hard stuff. And I was like, whether they're, they're up there or not, like, I'm going to go find out, um, and and, for yourself. Yeah. Peace of mind. Like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to go back home and be like, man, I should have done that. Yeah. That's what happened last time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I grew and I, this time I made the decision, like even with my injury and everything, I was like, I'm, I'm making this climb. So, um, you know, it was a lot like, like I said, it was, so it was 2,200 feet up and then 2,200 feet back down. Um, so I, like, I think the, cause then I, I walked around up there a little bit and climbed a little bit more. So I think the total on the day was like 45, 4,600 feet of elevation oh, change. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's yeah. And like, I'm pretty sure it's just crazy too the the way that the wind works out there. I mean, it, it's literally like you'll throw a puff up out of your bottle and it's you know in your face, and then you're like, 
is that the wind on the back of my neck? <laughs> it's like, oh, sure, man, shit. Really? Just reversing is the going the other direction. And then like three seconds later, it's coming back at you. You're just like, come on. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's pretty. That's not helpful for bow hunting, no. is it? No, no, not at all. Um, especially when that's kind of what life. I was thinking too. Cause I'm like, it's just so much terrain. Like I've learned around here. It's like, it's so hard to hunt areas like that because the wind just does whatever it really feels like doing. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause you would think that like on a mountainside like that, that the wind would just be, you know, either cutting across it or coming over the top or, you know, um, but it, it was just literally going in every direction. And I, I honestly didn't look at what the, like the weather apps said what direction the, that it was supposed to be coming from. Um, so, I mean, I guess if it's like coming in straight and hitting off the face like that, it could kind of just, you know, airs yeah, a lot disperse. like water. It's just going right. to just go. But right. um, like I said, I mean, I learned a lot and unfortunately wasn't, didn't have enough time to, <laughs> Hey, shh. Didn't have enough time to, to make it happen. Um, I think maybe with a few more days, it would have been possible yeah. to get, get closer. Um, cause like I said, every day was, was like a step in the right direction. Right. But, but uh, I think that like next year, um, I don't know, I, I'm still planning and trying yeah. to, or not, not still planning. I'm still like waiting and kind of processing and stuff like that before I really start to try and decide what I, what I want to do, um, for next year. But it was overall like fun. It's just awesome to be out there. Like it's, it really helps change your perspective on like everything. Like, to be honest, you, you just, you feel so small. Um, yeah. Like I can imagine. Yeah, like getting up on top of the mountain and you just looking out and you can see for, you know, 10, 20 miles. Like, uh, I got up on top on one of the tops and I was looking off in the distance and I was like, I wonder what mountain that is. And I looked on the map and it's, you know, 20 miles away and it was a 14 or I can't yeah. remember what it well, I'm, well, I'm not going to say what it was called, <laughs> what yeah, mountain it was, but, right. uh, like it's just, you know, one of those things that you, you can just sit there and, and kind of reflect and, and really like think about, um, how, like how truly small you are in, in the great scheme of things. Um, yeah. We get caught it's up kind with of like being around people. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what I like. Honestly, I can say that I hated about going back to Maryland this time is like, I've really, appreciated where I live now versus where I used to like, cause there's just so many more people. So many more people are just like not friendly whatsoever. Not to yeah. say everybody like, you know, there's still good people where I lived at and I'm not, I'm not trying to bash Maryland. It's just like anybody that's like us, like can like totally relate to what I'm saying now. It's, it's just turning into like this concrete jungle Mecca you know, we still have farmlands and stuff out there, but it's like every time I go visit less and less farmlands there and it's more and more buildings. And I think not to go like down a rabbit hole, but, uh, or we won't this time, but I just want to say like, I think that a big part of that is just like people not knowing each other. 
Like yeah. if, you know, when, when you don't have any sort of connection, like when you're in a small town, um, you know, like what you live in now for the most part, I mean, and people know each other, like you're going to respect those other people because like they know who you are, they know what you do, like, and you know, like when they actually talk about you to other people, like your, your reputation basically is on the line. Right. Whereas yeah. Yeah. when you're interacting with strangers all day, like you could care less what they one what they think of you or um you know what they're gonna do after they leave your presence like it's it doesn't really matter um and i like i think that that goes back to or that can roll right into like what we were talking about uh with talking to people about permission um because i i just talked to you about like i'm gonna probably have to go ask for permission because i think that the deer it's possible that the deer that I'm after um, moved off of public onto private, but I also saw a really good buck on that piece of public or piece of private last night. Um, so I want, I'm going to go, you know, talk to people and get permission and uh, yeah, run right. with it. I mean, I feel like you're, you were meant to see that deer uh, apparently. So go for it. Right. It's a yeah, sign. Cause like, just don't let it, don't let it slip away. I mean, there's not that many giant deer around, so. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it almost seemed like too, too good to be true. Everything kind of lined up because I went to try and check my camera that I've got on, uh, on private and the camera was gone. Um, and oh. so like I went, since that camera was gone, I went to a different piece of, uh, or went a different way to get home than I like probably would have otherwise. And that that's why I saw that deer out there on, on that piece. Cause I went a different way. So, I mean, and then I ended up talking to the, uh, the landowner of the, like where my camera was. And I guess there was like some other people that might be hunting out there and whatnot. And it's just one of those things, like you're going to deal with it as a hunter, like getting your camera stolen and stuff. But when it's on private, like <laughs> yeah. versus public, I, it's just one of those things that like is, makes you uh, want to figure out who did it too, even more yeah. because you're you're probably more inclined to find out who actually took it. Right. But, um, yeah. Not to, again. Not to go down that another rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. That's that's one of those. No, I mean, like so frustrating. I guess, I guess we'll like transfer into uh, kind of what happened when uh, I was away in Maryland. Um, yeah. So like like we were just talking about with like, you know, leave no stone unturned kind of deal where you had, you know, you had came across your deer and you saw it and you know, it's like, it's up to you to do something about it. Well, I came across a situation where I found out about a really big deer and basically I was like, okay, well how could I possibly put myself in that position to have a chance at it? So I started knocking on doors and talking to people and I was able to lock in some property to, to get on this specific deer. Now, like it's almost like hunting a ghost. Um, I never had pictures of him. I never visually saw him, but just by talking to people around there, there was 100% like this deer was in there. And the more and more I was there, the more and more I learned about the deer and where he was hanging out at and what he was doing or so I thought. And, um, 
pretty much, I guess it was on Monday, I got a phone call and said, hey, you know, you're, that deer you're, you're trying to shoot's dead. And I'm like, what? Really? You, you're kidding me. And they were like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. Like, and it was so, it was just heartbreaking because, I mean, this deer was like, he was well over 200 inches. Um, I don't, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of details, but it's like, you know, uh, congrats to the hunter. You know, I hope, uh, I hope everything was done like, you know, to the book and it's just, I don't know. It's bittersweet. Uh, it's actually, it's not bittersweet. It sucks. Cause, <laughs> uh, I mean, I dreamed about this deer, uh, or just getting that chance at him. But, you know, whatever, the way I look at it, like it wasn't meant to be apparently, um, and move on because there ain't nothing I can do about it. You know, it's, it is what it is. Um, but right now I feel like we are at a dynamite time to be doing scouting. Like there's rubs hitting, you know, there's, there's plenty of rubs out. There's scrapes that are being made daily. I mean, I'm just excited to get out in the woods and start scouting and put some stuff together because I know it's going to happen. Um, I've had a big uptick in all my cameras on public, uh, at least a few cameras I have spread out that are, you know, cell cams. They've really picked up movement lately, so what, I think uh, it's time for me. Where do you have those just... cameras right now? I know, I mean, we were going to get into, like, user or user listener questions, Um and whatnot, but I mean, one of them was about transitioning cameras. So you yeah. said that you're, that's you're what getting, I was going to touch on. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting more pictures now. Where are those? Minor, minor kind of like, uh, on terrain features, uh, that are what I had figured are, are near bedding. Um, the places that I have these cameras that I'm specifically talking about are areas I have no history with whatsoever. Basically did boots on the ground scouting, uh, in summer and, I figured out terrain features that I thought these deer would, you know, naturally move through. And then when I found like thicker areas, I pretty much put them right on the edge of that. And, you know, like whether it's a saddle or just like on the off side of like a leeward side of a ridge, um, when I would find good sign or I found some that were like previous, uh, rubs, uh, one of my cameras on an old like primary scrape. So, I'm really excited to check. That's actually a, a not a cell camera, um, but that's that's my goal. I'm gonna transition all my stuff to fresh scrapes and just go do some scouting and see what I can come up with. Uh, if I find an area that's loaded loaded down with rubs and you know there's a good white oak tree nearby and I can anticipate a good a good area to set up, then by all means I'm gonna move my camera. But yeah, I mean I. So for me, that camera that I went to try and check last night is the only one that I've uh, even attempted to check since before I left for Colorado. Um, I've got the one cell cam out that uh, all I've been getting is uh, the same raccoon every single night. He just I think he knows where my camera is and he's just messing with me because he just goes and sits in front of it. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if he waves one of these times. Yeah, but, the deer uh, like like, hey, go over there, go over there, and mess with this guy's camera. What uh, I was gonna ask you what what makes you? I guess what terrain features? I know you mentioned a couple. Like, what is it that draws you toward to those terrain features that says, okay, this is where I need to put a camera. 
Um, I really kind of like like the upper thirds um, and the lower thirds. That's where I've put a lot of my focus in. If I notice that like there's a heavier trail on the bottom side of the ridge versus the top, then I'm going to focus on that. Um, if I notice that there's a really thick area of brush on the lower side, then I'm going to put my camera right there, kind of where it's going to funnel them to move. Like I have one that's near a down tree and that thing is blowing up with movement. They just funnel right around that tree. And that was just a good, good spot. I got lucky with that one. And I've noticed yeah. a lot of the deer really like just moving right on the edge of that big fallen oak that, that came down. And it's right on the, right on like the, pretty much where the ridge bends around. So I think a lot of these deer just like to hang out there. Um, I have some of them that are kind of like on a flat that are on the upper third and it's like just open hardwoods. So it's kind of hard to say like, this is exactly where they're at. But like I said, there's a good, a good trail and that's kind of where I set mine up at. Okay. So yeah, I, I if it's, that uh, yeah, I, I mean, especially right now, like, we're, you know, it's early October. Um, so it's going to be still like, they're going to transition food sources. So it's not going to be, you know, the, the summertime food sources, but it's still also not like the terrain features that are just the funnels that are like rut funnels, um, where, you know, those bucks are just like cruising. Um, so you still got to be smart about where you're placing cameras to where they're like you said it's got to be close to bedding if you plan on getting daylight pictures um if you're getting nocturnal pictures and you think that you know your buck is gone nocturnal um and that he's only showing up at night uh, or only moving at night like we all know that's not true they are moving during the day but it's just close to whatever that bedding area is so if that those are the pictures that you're getting, like you need to move your camera if that's what right. you want. I mean, like if you have it on video mode or whatever and you can see where he's coming from and then you can go maybe do an observation sit or, you know, go locate bedding coming in that direction, like obviously you wouldn't have to move your camera. But if your goal is to get daylight pictures before you make a move, like you've got to basically follow that line and move your camera closer yeah. to where he's at moving during the day yeah i agree 100 percent. that's what i was going to touch on it's like if you can figure out where he's coming from and he's consistent and he's done it a few times then you know like there's a reason and he's staying somewhere else than where you're at now if yeah. it's a half hour you know after dark uh, i mean honestly you're close to where he's at i would say and yeah absolutely that's that's the tough thing about october for me that i've struggled with uh is just like determining whether that deer is just moving at nighttime or if I'm missing out on something and he's a, you know, four or 500 yards away. Like, you know, every deer is different. They all do different things. It's, it's kind of like you just need to go hunt every once in a while and throw a sit at something and see what you see. That can be the most valuable tool instead of us focusing on our camera, especially if you got a good deer, it's like, just be methodical about what you're doing and hunt the wind and, if you got a good wind direction and you got a cold front or something, then, you know, get in the woods and, and throw a sit at it, you know, cause those are the kind of times that that deer is going to get up and move a little bit earlier. So 
that would be my you know my best tip for having a deer like that you really want to target and he's close to a he is during dark you know in the in the dark he's coming through but if it's near that daylight flirting with like a half hour 45 minutes like don't be afraid to throw a sit around there because he could be really close yeah no i absolutely agree and like one thing for me is like with you know i didn't have or don't have a lot of cameras to begin with um like I sold off a couple and then I just, I'm trying to transition into relying less on them. Um, and I know we've touched on that before, but like, so like, I'm not going to replace that camera. I'm going to now have to go put boots on the ground and figure out and be a better woodsman and understand, you know, where they're at, where they're coming from and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, having to you know go in and sit to see what's in the area um and i think that that's that kind of challenge it's a different challenge um that i'm putting you know myself through but it's something that i think will end up resulting uh in i guess better experience and and a little bit better understanding for the woods and and how these big mature whitetails are moving um without just you know, throwing up a, a line of cameras or, you know, flooding an area with those, I think, um, down the road, it'll give me a better idea of, you know, if I have one camera, yeah, where to put that camera. Right. No, absolutely, man. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I would say the biggest thing is just, uh, just really like don't be afraid like just because you don't have a camera doesn't mean that you can't get it done uh i had some of the best hunts of my life as a younger guy just going out and throwing sits at places and you get to see deer movement and you capitalize on it and that's really like in essence like you know like we talked about like cody doesn't really uh you know depend on cameras anymore and it's like i look back at my like some of the best hunting I had when I was a young guy, like I didn't care anything about cameras. I would just go and I'd throw sits and I'd have some of the best hunts of my life. So I think you're absolutely right. It's like, it's just hard. We kind of get, we want pictures of deer. We want like even more now it's like, but you don't have to have that to be successful. So if you're one of those guys, yeah, it's cool. But, it's it's not the end all be all, you know. Yeah, it's uh I saw something last night and it was like uh it's cool to get good picture or pictures of good deer, but if you're not killing them like you're just a photographer. Exactly. No, I <laughs> like, love that. I don't yeah, know who that and, guy was, but that's her motivational quote for the week right there. Yeah, <laughs> like I I think that and you know, as a photographer, it, it's kind of uh a shot to the heart, but I think at the same time, like, it's absolutely true. Like, I'd much rather have them on the wall than, you know, have them on my uh, hard drive in my, yeah. you know, uh, missed opportunities folder. Like, and, and at the same time, how much damage do we do focusing on putting cameras out instead of just, you know, hey, like, you know this is a good area, right? Like, especially if you've seen a deer visually, like, right. you're even more, like, you really don't need to do it if you've already seen a deer, like. I know plenty of guys that are killers that get a picture of a good buck and that's it. And they'll pull their freaking cameras out of there. 
And it's like, yeah. And then they're hunting. It's like, all I needed to know was there's a deer that's of the caliber I want to hunt and it's game one. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, that's exactly it. Like I just don't, I've been really good at getting pictures of good deer. Yeah. And obviously I don't have any of those deer on the wall. So there's some disconnect for me there, um, about, you know, getting the pictures and then making it happen. So I'm trying to take that away to where now I've got to figure it out, um, you know, without knowing. So that's, that's the challenge that I'm putting myself through right now. Um, and kind of going forward with this season, I mean, it's October 1st, like it's game time. Um, there's, you know, not the October lull that everyone talks about. We won't go down that road, but they're out there. They're still moving. They're still alive. They're not just yeah. <laughs> held no, it's up. The you know? October, it's the October go time, baby. I'm, exactly. I'm freaking ready. Like, I, I mean, I'm really struggling because I got a good deer on camera, but it's like he's flirting with the caliber of deer I want and the caliber of deer I might pass on. So it's just kind of tough. I mean, having the one tag thing really puts a damper in things for me. Like, yeah. Do you, you know, I, do I go after him? Like if I go throw a sit and he comes through, I'm going to really struggle to not shoot that deer. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Cause I, I would be, I'd be happy with him, but I'm inside, not going to give you not, any advice, yeah. but thank you. I know our plan for this year is to, you know, kill in Kentucky. And even if we don't try and get to Ohio during Kentucky's gun season, um, yeah. and go hunt up there. And then, I mean, if we luck out and make things happen twice, like maybe throw something at Indiana. Um, yeah. And you know, so you're telling me to go kill this deer. Is what you're saying? I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you get okay. the opportunity, don't pass it up. Is okay. what is kind of what I'm saying. Because um, well, he's, I, I mean, you showed him to me. Like that's a good, good deer. Like if yeah. we're gonna try and go out of state and do that kind of stuff, I mean, yeah. it's. Uh, I enjoy the process though so much and I have such a hard time. Like, I don't know. I feel like if I go throw a sit in there, I'll probably, I might kill him. I don't know. It's, it's just a tough, well, we won't get all into that because I'll be like wishy-washy with everything, but no, I mean, I think you're like, we've already, we already did the podcast, you know, earlier about when you didn't have any deer on camera or anything like that. Um, and I think you're kind of in the same boat now that because you found the deer that you wanted to go after. You put in a ton of work to try and get on that deer, make things happen. Well, now you know he's dead, and now you're kind of restarting. Um, you know, and it, but now we're so not so deep. We're deeper into the season. It's October. The opportunities are much more plentiful than they were a month ago when the season. Oh opened. yeah. And it's so much easier to scout now with the way that these deer are laying sign down too. Oh yeah, um, between sign I don't know, and man. it's gonna be fun. As as the leaves I'm not trying change to and start to drop. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be like this is the time, like you said. It's I mean I just you know I went and let the dogs out earlier, and that breeze coming through was nice and cool and it's and crisp yeah. and it's it gets me excited to get out and you know be out in the woods and and doing stuff um because man the last month has been hot like i know I even when so i went weird. to colorado 
it yeah. was I think the first day it almost touched 80 so it was yeah. it was real hot um and not fun it was super frustrating for me um having to miss the whole first like nice cold front we had man I was so bummed out about that honestly I'm sitting in Maryland and I come out there like I guess it was maybe like Sunday or Monday morning it's like 35 or it wasn't 35 it was probably like 45 degrees but I'm just like oh you're killing me like it doesn't get any nicer than this and I was just stoked to hit the woods uh whenever we get back home but but I guess uh we're gonna uh probably wrap this one up man I know we're I know you're busy you got stuff going on today I do too I gotta go to the bow shop and get my wife's bow fixed um but I mean, and you it, got we you got another buddy that uh, he's just getting into bow hunting and stuff too, which yeah. is awesome. We'll we'll have to tell that story at some point as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm tr- really trying to get him into it, and unfortunately, he's having some bow problems. So we're uh, we're gonna get his stuff fixed today, and um, I'm sacrificing another day of of hunting for getting stuff fixed. But it is what it is. I mean, I know I'm my one one of my other main goals was to get my wife on a deer, so. She's doing really well with shooting and practicing, so I don't want to let her down. I want to get her straight and get my buddy straight. But Yeah, no, which is awesome. Like, that's, at the end of the day, I mean, that's why we're doing this. That's why, you know, yeah. we're trying to help other people, get more people into hunting, and, and do what we can to help them out. Yes, sir. Well, hey, man, it sounds like you got your hands full, brother. <laughs> I hope you have a yeah. great day. We will uh, yeah, got to we'll... go play dad. Yes, sir. We'll catch up with you next time and uh, appreciate you guys tuning in today. Absolutely. Thanks for putting up with uh, daddy time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys. Thanks again for tuning in today, guys. We really appreciate all the support. Sorry to those of you if we didn't get your uh, questions answered, but we're going to dedicate a couple of the questions we got to a whole episode, so I hope you can understand that. If you haven't, uh, go ahead and check out Lone Wolf Custom Gear. They're a sponsor for this podcast, and they're a huge help for us uh, in hunting and the community. Check them out at lonewolfcustomgear.com. We're going to go ahead and close this one out with a quote from Christine Kane. And I really like this one. It says, Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. Uh, It's been a great quote to me. Sometimes when we're going through hard things, um, you need to just step back and remove yourself and think about where you're at, where you're going, and uh, recognize that maybe the struggles we're going through are there to help us. And uh, I hope that finds you all today. Look forward to uh, to catching up with you guys on the next episode, and uh, thanks for tuning in.